Louise McSharry on 2FM. Now, I am joined by the one and only Beyonce of Derry, political correspondent for the Irish Examiner, Aoife Moore, is here. Good morning. I've missed you, Aoife. No, thanks for having me back. Although I am quite different from Aon, who is like the glamest person in the world, and I'm here in my wearing leggings and my jumper. You always do this. <laughs> Stop denigrating yourself. Why should what you wear even matter? I know no one can see me anyway. I look great, guys. You do. You do look great. <laughs> Stop now. I'm going to start giving out to you if you continue to do that. I won't let my friends talk about themselves like that. <laughs> um, now we have a lot to talk about, and we unfortunately still need to start with COVID nineteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, we had over sixteen hundred cases last night. Um, this is actually lower than what was projected um, during the summer. We thought with Delta, yeah, we could be up to maybe like three thousand by September. So we're doing all right. Um, we've got good news on the horizon as well. So we have had 90% of adults have now been fully vaccinated. This is like unheard of, you know, for yeah. certain countries that because of vaccine hesitancy and stuff. So it's something that we should really be proud of. We've administered 7 million doses. So we had that during the week. And basically, the more people that are vaccinated, the easier life is just going to become. Like, we're yeah. always going to think, I think we're always going to have like some form of COVID that we're going to have to deal with. But the more people that get vaccinated, the more we can do. And I spoke to the teacher yesterday when we were in Cavan and he said, you know, everything is on track um, for the further reopening. October 22nd, mm. nightclubs are coming back. It's the day after my birthday, just oh, saying. Oh, wow. So. Um, so, yeah, he said everything's on track because it was all kind of dependent on the vaccine take up. Yeah. And that's remained you know, high and on track and everything else. So yeah. it's, it's good news. Well, the thing is, they kind of said that we probably wouldn't get more than 90%, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Because the reality is that there is still obviously some vaccine hesitancy. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've really, you know, we've kind of done it. Like yeah. obviously kids and stuff. Yeah. And in America, they were only going for 75 and they can't get there. Um, they were talking about 75% and they just can't reach it. We're on, we were planning, I think our aim was 89. We're now at 90 I think they said that Nyack would like somewhere around 92. Mm. Um, whether we get there or not, I don't know. But 90 is definitely something that we should be proud of because there are other medical reasons where people can't get vaccinated as well. And I yeah. think, um, yeah, it's just something that we should be pretty proud of. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, honestly, we would never, like six months ago, we wouldn't ever And I was thinking as well that like the vaccine rollout's been going on since what, like January and people yeah. who maybe were hesitant at the start wanted to see if anyone else got sick before they got, those people are starting to come around to the yeah. idea. And now, like, I know even in my family, I had some people who were quite nervous about it, but eventually after three, four months, when other people had got it and they'd seen that everything was all right, they went and got it. So I think we're seeing a lot of that as well. Yeah, yeah. And like, I would hope that there will be people who maybe weren't sure before or who, who were a bit nervous or even maybe had some kind of misplaced ideas about the vaccine who mm-hmm. maybe will decide, even on the QT, to yeah. just pop in and get it. Nobody needs to know, you know, and you might as well make yourself safe. Um, now, unfortunately, there has been a huge testing surge recorded among children which really isn't that surprising is it? Yeah like I think this is definitely what they were planning for we know that you know we're not vaccinating young children um, and if 90% of the adults are vaccinated it is naturally going to be you know younger children they're going to get COVID now so they've seen huge surges because obviously the I was going to say Wayne's the kids have come (laughs) back to school the kids have come back to school so you know there's now thousands of children here like self-isolating as well which is another concern because obviously children have missed quite a lot of school already and there is a lot of concern now that younger children have to leave school they have to self-isolate uh if I was that child, you know, I don't can't think of anything better. I would have loved not <laughs> to have been in school at that age. But yeah, it is something, you know, politicians are starting to talk about now. They're talking about things like catch up programs because there is, 
this huge surge in testing and then obviously with more testing more people need to isolate because they're close contacts as yeah. well and like you mightn't even be ill yeah. but there's close contacts we've had it you know in our own um, workplace as well with like people's kids going back to school and yeah. close contacts and like it's pretty depressing, but for the next couple of months, I think this is just going to be the way things are going. Yeah, there's been two confirmed cases in my son's school mm-hmm. in the two weeks, two and a half weeks. So yeah. it's just the way that it's going to go, as you said. Um, now, fortunately, it does seem like obviously people are not getting as sick, which is, you know. Yeah, and we know the children don't get as sick as well. And if their parents are vaccinated, that's a lot less um, pressure on people and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do think it's just something we're going to have to get used to for the next few months. Yeah. Um, now, uh, it's interesting that this story is coming up because it's been confirmed that restrictions on short-stay visa processing are going to be lifted on Monday. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say this is interesting is because there was a girl in front of me in the queue at Gatwick who was all set to come. Um, mm. She was, I think she was Indian. She was living in London and she was all set to come to Ireland for a visit and she was told you can't go because yeah people haven't been able to visit have they yeah it's like it's your worst nightmare so yeah so what happened was like in the throes of the pandemic last year um basically they stopped these temporary uh visas short stay visas um except for emergency cases so it's been on since the 21st of march last year and it basically put a pause, you know, when we were kind of in the throes of it and we didn't know what was going on with COVID. So they've brought it back now. So it'll people um, who want to visit from China, India, Pakistan and the Philippines. It's obviously like there'll be thousands of Irish people who have family that want to come and visit. Yeah. So I'm sure it's like a massive relief for them. There are people who might even work here I and mean, then you got stuck somewhere else. And like, I know like one of my friends is... Australian and she really just wants to go home and that's just not an avenue that's open to her at the moment so I think this will be really welcome news for people that yeah. this is they're processing these visas again and people can actually get to see their loved ones and it's just all back. steps in the right direction isn't it yeah we're all good news today yeah. <laughs> great um, now I suppose this isn't good news for Simon Coveney because Sinn Féin is set to table a motion of no confidence mm-hmm. yeah so um, first day back at school uh, the doll comes back on Wednesday and on our first day back there'll be a motion of no confidence in the Minister for Foreign Affairs, Simon Coveney. This is um, to do with the appointment of the former Children's Minister, Catherine Zapong. She was a minister in the Fine Gael government and it emerged that she was given um, a plum job in the UN. The job was not advertised. Um, there was no one else considered and Catherine Zapong was given this job and then no one told the Taoiseach until the day of the Cabinet announcement. Um, it has... Initially, the I think Fine Gael and Simon Coveney especially tried to brush this off. Um, at one point, told a journalist not to make a story out of it. That was two months ago. We're still talk- talking about it. Okay, I'm not an expert, but I feel like say telling a journalist mm. not to make a story out of something <laughs> is probably the worst thing you can do. No? Uh, as a press officer, the worst thing someone can say to me is this is not a story because I immediately think, well, it obviously is a story because <laughs> yeah. you've just said that. Yeah. Um, he's been in front of the Foreign Affairs Committee now twice. Um, the first time he went, um, it left more questions than answers. The second time he went... No one was any more clear. This has been a drip feed. We've had screenshots of WhatsApp messages. Catherine Zopone has been left on red for months. Um, and basically after the last Foreign Affairs Committee, Sinn Féin said, no, he, he has to go. We no longer have confidence in him. The SOC Dems are saying they don't have confidence in him. Labour don't have confidence in him. The opposition seem kind of united on this. To be honest, um, for people who don't watch politics, I don't think it's going to go anywhere. The mm. government has huge numbers in majority. They have mm. independents who will back them. There is some fraught kind of feelings with Anfina Fall. You know, people like Jim McGuinness and other John McGuinness, sorry, and others have said 
they're not sure how they're going to vote. They will be suspended from the party by six months if they don't uh, vote the way they're told. But I do think it's it's just going to be, you know, a bit of a circus, a bit of a row in the doll, and I'll just move on. Simon Coveney is a very, very important uh, minister, and I don't think anyone should be big enough, too big to fail. But I feel like this government thinks that Simon Coveney is too big to fail. Well, Simon Coveney, of course, continuing to work. And mm-hmm. um, this week he was leading a UN Security Council meeting on Afghanistan. Yeah, I'd say he was so delighted this was on. Like, he loves the kind of statesman kind of things. So he's like, right, I have to leave Ireland now and go to New York and chair the UN Security Council. And he basically was there to talk about Afghanistan, the ongoing situation there with the new Taliban government. He basically called for a new united front. Um, These things tend to be kind of wishy-washy. Like, everyone has really good thoughts and feelings about what we should be doing in Afghanistan. But they passed a peacekeeping resolution that was tabled by Ireland and they had a debate on, you know, promoting stability. These things don't really come too much. Um, We are talking about a Taliban government here, so I'm sure all the resolutions in the world, if they don't turn into any action, it's not going to help the people uh, who are living under a Taliban government. And of course, one of the things that came out this week was that Afghan women are going to be banned from playing sport, according to the Taliban. Yeah, I mean, this. I think everyone who saw the Taliban statement saying that they were a new Taliban, even the statement new Taliban, um, a new Taliban who, you know, were going to be a bit more liberal. I don't think anyone actually believed it. And then they came out this week and said that women would not be playing sport um, because they might be moving around in a way where people might see their um, bodies or um, faces. They didn't think that was appropriate. They don't want people watching women on TV playing sport. They don't want people watching them play sport at all. Um, and I think cricket was the main one that they were talking about because mm. I think Af- Afghanistan had a really good women's cricket team at one point. That's now going to be banned. Um, and this is, you know, with it's sport now, it'll be education soon. Yeah. Like this is the slippery slope that they're going to start going down. But it was very clear to the American government when they pulled out of Afghanistan that this is what was going to happen. Mm. Um, moving to something completely different, Italy is to allow small scale cannabis growing at home. Yeah, I mean, at least not somewhere I ever like really consider when you think about stuff like this. But anyway, um, so the Supreme Court has ruled in Italy that small quantities of cannabis at home um, for your private use is legal. Um, I think most campaigners would welcome this. You know, we've had a long, long talk about and debate about cannabis. You know, America, certain states have now completely decriminalized cannabis um, in an effort to kind of you know, you lower the trade and the illegality and people can get better quality stuff. Um, at least government, this has become a bit of a row within the government because obviously the Supreme Court is independent um, from the government. It seems to be most of the parties within uh, the Italian government are not supportive of this. Um, they seem to be all kind of a bit more towards swinging towards the right on this. They're saying once we get into government, we're going to get rid of this. We're going to bring in a new law. Um they all seem a bit conservative about the issue. Um, I think the Supreme Court is obviously a bit more liberal than the government does. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Because um, when you're in Italy as well, like you do find when you're there that the parties do tend to be a bit more right-wing maybe than we're even what we're used to here. Um, but basically, they said saying things like drugs cause harm and once we get in, we're going to take this away. So I don't know how long it's going to last because all the parties seem to be against it. The mm. ruling government party is not going to change anything from what the Supreme Court said, but I mean, like the people in Italy seem pretty happy from what I read in the paper. 
it does seem like with the, you know, more and more states in America are legalizing mm-hmm. personal use of cannabis and, you know, it's happening in Europe as well. It seems like it's kind of unavoidable that eventually that's where everyone's going to be. Yeah, I think it's like it's a slow train coming, but I think we're all going to get to the same destination. I think, um, you know, when people are already given medical cards yeah. for cannabis and stuff like this, I think people just understand that in the grand scheme of things, um, I think you could do a lot worse on a night out after about 12 pints. <laughs> That's certainly an argument to be had there. Um, now, we don't often talk about sport, um, but something very interesting has been happening at the US Open. So, British teenager Emma Rad, you obviously weren't told we were talking about this, no. Eva. <laughs> Well, don't worry. Um, I will fill you in. Um, a British teenager who's 18 who qualified for the US Open basically has become the first qualifier. So like she wasn't ranked. Okay. She's become the first qualifier in history to reach a Grand Slam final. And uh, she has guaranteed herself a $1.25 million payout um, because she beat her opponent, Maria Sakari, at the US Open. What would you buy with that amount of money at that age? Like... Uh, I have truly I have no idea what would, I mean honestly a house rollerblades <laughs> she moved to the UK age two and learned to play tennis rallying in a Bromley cul-de-sac with her dad apparently and her US Open success comes a month after she got an A star in maths and an A in economics at her A levels God's not supposed to give with both hands like what <laughs> I was just going to say, you're not allowed to be really smart and really good at sports. she's really pretty as well. She probably is. (laughs) Anyway, isn't it great to see an 18-year-old doing well? I am delighted for her. I was not doing any of those things when I was 18. No, no, well, neither was I. Neither was I. (laughs) Actually, when I was 18, and we didn't mention this here in the in the news slot but it's obviously the 20th anniversary of uh, 2011 Mm -hmm. and or 9-11. 9-11, Jesus. It's not the 20th anniversary of 2011. That would be losing 10 years of our lives and we can't have that after we the really last two years. Noise. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, it's the anniversary of 9-11 and I was 18 when 9-11 happened and um, I was thinking about, because there's lots of people obviously online talking about where they were mm-hmm. and I remember a girl I knew from, I used to do European Youth Parliament. I was extremely oh, cool. Totally tell. Extremely cool. Um, and a friend of mine from European Youth Parliament had come up to Dublin to go to UCD. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she didn't know Dublin at all so I was kind of minding her a little bit and we were in town and we saw in the window of a TV shop in town we saw like 9-11 happen it was it was mad and we walked down Henry Street and went and sat on the floor in Arnott's in the TV section and watched it unfold it was the wildest That's thing insane I was in primary seven I remember coming home from school and my dad's obsessed with the news anyway yeah and we had the news on from like I must say I got in at half three yeah. And it was like until we went to bed and my ma was like tentatively at around half eight being like, Danny, could we turn the TV on? <laughs> yeah. But we did not. We had to watch the entire thing the entire night. But you don't really, even at, my, at that age, I didn't take in at all the kind yeah. of gravity of it. And I always remember going to school the next day and getting the bus. And in the shop, the front page of the Dairy Journal was the photograph of the tires coming down. Yeah. I remember thinking like, this must be massive if the Daily Journal are giving their whole front page over to it. Well, it was pretty massive. I mean, it's wild. Like, we're still, you know, experiencing the fallout from those events. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know there's lots of people today who, you know, were personally impacted by it who will definitely be feeling it very deeply. So, um, you know, I don't think anybody will be not thinking about it today. So it's worth noting that. And that's what I was doing when I was 18, was sitting on the floor of Arnott's, getting ready to go to college and watching the Twin Towers fall. Absolutely wild. Aoife Moore, thank you so much. Uh, she is so of the much. Irish Examiner, of course, and we will talk to you soon. Louise McSherry on 2FM.